Hello everyone, welcome to Uncertified and Unqualified. I'm Rita. And I'm Anna. And today we are going to be talking about grooming, public public accusation, and stardom. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, so fasten your seatbelts, strap in, folks. Uh, trigger warning. We will be discussing sexual harassment and assault and the predation upon young women and the feminine presenting people. We will not be going into any detail other than just mentioning it, but do, it, it is there. Do know that. During this episode, we're mostly going to be generalizing the category of survivors as women, but please know that we acknowledge that sexual harassment and abuse is not a gender or sex exclusive issue. People who don't fall into the gender binary can and do experience sexual harassment and assault, and the most wide, but however, the most widespread statistics and examples are mostly connected with the gender binary, so that's what we'll be mostly leading this conversation with and leading into. Yes. So, in the entertainment industry over the past half century and before, we as media consumers have become more and more deeply involved in the lives of the stars we see on the big screen or the artists we stream on a daily basis. And with that, we've seen into the deep ugliness of interpersonal relationships, mostly involving how women, the LGBTQIA community, non-binary people, people with disabilities, and people of color, especially when observing those categories intersectionally, are treated by men who feel that they have the possession of exaggerated power over them yeah and if yeah if we want to oversimplify we would just say it's the patriarchy to blame and you know like no matter how much we do believe that that is true it's part of the problem there's so much more at play here underneath that big umbrella of the patriarchy that has led to the problematic nature of the industry that we see today Mm -hmm. so to start as just as a baseline i for all of this that i'm going to talk about or that we are going to talk about going forward uh we just kind of want to lay out the history of the me too movement um so the me too movement started in 2006 by sexual assault survivor tarana burke and in those beginning years the organization was focused on bringing resources support and pathways to healing where none existed before and we got to work building a community of advocates determined to interrupt sexual violence wherever it happens and that was from the me too website so, skip forward to 2017, and the hashtag MeToo blew up on social media, turning the small organization into a global network of survivors. This inciting incident was the exposure of the widespread sexual abuse allegations against Harvey Weinstein in early October 2017. Actress Alyssa Milano tweeted, If all the women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote Me Too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem after getting the idea from a friend. A number of high-profile posts and responses from American celebrities Gwyneth Paltrow, Ashley Judd, Jennifer Lawrence, and Uma Thurman, along with others, soon then followed. Widespread media coverage and discussion of sexual harassment, particularly in Hollywood, led to high-profile terminations from positions held, as well as criticisms and backlash. Now, that is from Wikipedia, but... They're right. They're right. They're right. Yeah. You were good. And as as a side note, all of the women that were just listed, listed are survivors. As survivors, they're all white. Yeah. Um, except Which is for an important thing to know. It is. Except for um, Me Too founder Tarana Burke. Tarana Burke is a woman of color. Yeah. Um, but during that period of time, especially during the Weinstein fallout, um, women felt that they had the platform and the, of the ability to step up using Me Too to gain courage and speak out against the media mogul who had caused so much pain in so many lives. And this doesn't speak for the women or femmes who spoke up without the platform and contributed evidence to Weinstein's sentencing, and those who weren't hurt at all that were just left to deal in the aftermath of Weinstein's actions. It doesn't speak to them at all. Yeah, and yeah. That's a whole separate issue. That is a whole separate issue. I will say this movement really did, 
I think it opened some people's eyes who I should have been opened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it just shows how much of a history and how far this problem in Hollywood goes back to. Yeah. Like, this this is not new. Yeah, absolutely. And now there are, I mean, everyone, there are so, not everyone, there are so many jokes mostly made by men about things and people that need to be Me Too'd and they make jokes about that. But yeah. Me Too is, it, the movement is still alive and well today. It does, it does so much more and it did so much more than just work for, for hype work to put Harvey Weinstein behind bars. Their work continues to focus on a growing spectrum of survivors, such as young people, their queer, trans, the disabled, black women and girls, and all communities of color. And from the website, it says, we're here to help each individual find the right point of entry for their unique healing journey. But we're also galvanizing a broad base of survivors and working to disrupt the systems that allow sexual violence to proliferate easy for me to say, huh? (laughs) Proliferate the world. This includes insisting upon accountability on the part of the perpetrators, along with implementation of strategies to sustain long-term systemic change, so that one day nobody ever has to say me too again. So the next cases that we're going to bring up are all high-profile white women as well. The reason for this is that details of them are more widely released and fit the Um, contention that we want to make that the rule of releasing details about grooming or sexual harassment or sexual assault by women in the entertainment industry are done subliminally yeah i can't talk lots of l's subliminally (laughs) through their art or unintentionally like through a leak of some kind via some other source so to start, we're going to start with Britney Spears and the conservatorship case. To anybody who was on social media within the last few years, you know of the hashtag Free Britney movement. Um, and she is free. Yeah, she is now free. As of Friday, November 12th, 2021, Britney Spears was freed from a 13-year, 9-month, and 11-day-long conservatorship under her father, Jamie Spears, her attorney, Andrew M. Andrew M. Wallet, and Spears' former business part manager, Lou M. Taylor. There was absolutely no reason for this. 13 years. For a completely sound of mind bodied woman. That is a majority of my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's, that's insanity. Absolutely insane. So you don't do conservative shifts for these type of these people. Like, there's no reason. No. No reason. No. Continue. <laughs> so a conservatorship, if you don't un- fully understand what a conservatorship is, a conservatorship is a court proceeding at which a probate judge appoints a person to assume legal responsibility over someone else, usually a close relative, who lacks the ability to manage their personal and financial affairs, according to the Judicial Council of California's Handbook this for Conservatives. Really for like, elderly people. Who, like, actually need someone to take care of them. Right. This is not for a teenage pop star who is doing... No, and I mean, maybe misguided as she was by people who were supposed to be guiding her, it doesn't mean that she was supposed to be put under this legal thing. That's That's also not her fault either. She's a young woman rising to fame, and she's looking for people to depend on for help, and they're misleading her. Yeah, and that's, again, not on her at all. No. And... While Spears was held on an an involuntary psychiatric hold in early 2008 on alleged mental health concerns, there was initially a temporary conservatorship um, that was intended to last only days, and later it was extended to months and eventually made permanent against the objections of Britney herself. And over the conservatorship, a series of alleged abuses came to light as her conservators and their business partners exerted control over Spears' professional and personal life, and that was often without her own input and against her expressed wishes. 
There wasn't much public attention on the conservatorship until 2019 when Jamie Spears was hospitalized for a life-threatening health condition and Brittany checked into a mental health facility citing distress over her father's condition. Shortly afterward, the conservatorship team leaked some of the more restrictive aspects of the arrangement. Spears' longtime discontent with the conservatorship came to light in personal accounts and in investigative reporting. Jamie's legal team maintained that the conservatorship was in Spears' best interest and thought to keep the arrangement in place. Yeah, and from an episode of the podcast Britney's Graham, which disseminated the first alleged abuses, it went viral on social media in April 2019, and hashtag Free Britney was born from there. Um, the movement went viral on TikTok in July of 2020 and has since seen coverage in news media worldwide to its association to the case and Spears herself endorsed the movement in legal documents and Instagram posts. By June 2021, the movement had grown to where Brittany made her first public statement in court proceedings and asked to terminate her conservatorship. She accused her father, family, and management team of abuse, detailing instances of mistreatment, coercion, and conflict of interest. On July 14th, Spears was granted the right to choose her own attorney, former former federal prosecutor Matthew Rosengart of Greenberg Trowig Trowig I don't know I don't know really <laughs> this action by judge Brenda Penny set legal precedent for numerous California laws as well yeah and on September 7th of 2021 Jamie and his team reversed their position filing to terminate the conservatorship to allegedly avoid discovery and deposition which is just effed up all in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Despite this, Judge Penny suspended Jamie on September of 29th, replacing him with accountant John Zabel, Zabel, I don't know. This allowed the conservatorship to continue until its eventual termination, and on November 12th, the conservatorship of the person and estate of Spears was formally terminated by Judge Penny. Now that Brittany is indeed free, her career is under investigation by journalists and documentaries as being tainted and distorted by the media because of her highly public breakdown. In alignment with the contention, you can guess that if Jamie Spears wouldn't have been hospitalized and the team didn't leak the information, Britney's conservatorship might still be enacted today. Britney had no control over life and therefore had no control over how the information about the conditions of her conservatorship would come out. Now she's a symbol of the chokehold of the patriarchy and ideals of stardom idolization that can go majorly wrong when young women in the entertainment industry at a very young age don't have proper safeguards and guidance to avoid manipulation. Yeah, and I mean... It's just, it's another case of a young woman not having that guidance when she's starting the entertainment industry, which is just known to be toxic, period. That's not intended to be a Britney joke, but, you know, it it is what it is. And just also not having any power, any say. She's completely controlled by the men who have taken advantage of her in the industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the next cases we're going to bring up mostly deal with grooming, and if you don't fully understand the definition of what grooming is, grooming is when a sexual or other kind of predator sets the stage for abusing another, such as a child or a person, as in the case of sex theory and human trafficking, which is from Urban Dictionary. However, don't discount Urban Dictionary, Urban Dictionary comes in clutch sometimes. So now we're mostly going to go into Taylor Swift, Taylor's version, and Jake Gyllenhaal. And John Mayer. And John Mayer, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, the Taylor's version stuff is not a, about grooming, but we're, we're, we'll, gonna, we'll get there. We're going to we'll get, get there. there. But this, this is, is also another very prevalent problem. Yeah. Because she is, if you don't already know, she has to do all these re-recordings because Scooter Braun and Scott Bruschetta have taken all of her music and she needs to re-record them. And she is what many people call the music industry. So if the most powerful person in the music industry cannot get their original masters back, 
What does that mean for everybody else? What does that mean for else? women and everyone else? So why the re-recordings? It's basically all comes down to the man, the asshole, the piece of garbage, screw it on. <laughs> when Taylor's career started in 2005, she signed with Big Machine Records, and her contract expired in 2018, but in the meantime, she recorded six albums with Big Machine. In her contract with Big Machine, it included that they own the masters or the original recordings. That when we say masters, it means the original recordings of those six albums. And when the deal was up, Taylor switched to Universal's Republic Records, and in her contract with them, she stipulated that she had to have ownership over the master recordings of her future music. Big Machine sold to private equity group Ithaca Holdings, an entity owned by powerhouse music manager Scooter Braun, had then sold her masters to another company, Shamrock Holdings, for a reported $300 million in 2019. Braun's play was all about the money. Swift's master recordings reap profits whenever the songs are streamed or bought. On the personal front, it was contentious. Swift claims Braun, who manages stars like Kanye West and Justin Bieber, had repeatedly bullied her, and so she slammed the sale publicly and promised to re-record those six original albums, this time with the masters under her own control. Anyone who hits play on an old version of Swift's early songs right now will still pay to the bank of Braun. Which is sucks because i am a lover of speak now and lots of like really old the older taylor albums 1989 i love i know and i listen to them on the daily and i'm very sorry i will stream taylor's version when it comes out i promise yes when as soon as taylor's version comes out i will be all that's the only thing i stream then but but for now, but for I, now, I gotta do what I gotta do, man. Yeah, we have to get by how we have to get by. <laughs> but Taylor's fan base, she it, Taylor's fan base is huge. Again, she is the music industry. Yes, she's cultivated this fan base over the years, over her sixteen-year career. Still going, still going. going strong, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and she knows that they, you know, are, ourselves included, that that we will jump on any new content that she releases to support her instead of a seedy, greedy white man. You know, we hate men. Yes, Miss Andrea is strong here. Um, she has all of us in a chokehold, and none of us are looking to get away anytime soon. Stream Taylor's version. Stream Taylor's version. You see Taylor's version on anything, click. Absolutely. Her first re-recording release was a fearless Taylor's version in April of 2021. It has 26 tracks, six of which were from the vault, or songs that she re-record that she recorded with Big Machine, but were never released, so she re-recorded anyways. The second re-recording was Red, Taylor's version, which has 30 songs for a two-hour and ten-minute playtime. And yes, I listened to all of it on the first day, and yes, it was amazing. Uh, go listen to it. Most notably, she released a 10-minute version of her song, All Too Well, and it surpassed Don McLean's American Pie for longest song to top the charts. For reference, American Pie is 8 minutes and 35 seconds long. Currently, All Too Well, 10-minute version, Taylor's version, is sitting pretty with... Um, that's a big number. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a... 183,619... I said that number wrong. That's 183,619,644 streams as we are recording. And that's only, like, as of today. So that number is most definitely going to go up from today to when you all are hearing this. So if you want to know the actual current number, go look it up on Spotify or just look it up on Google. You know, because that's considering all of streaming platforms, how many streams it has, probably. Yes. Stream Taylor's version. Stream all too well. 10-minute version. Taylor's version. From the vault. Stream everything. Yeah. Funny enough, (laughs) the the 10-minute version of all too well is sometimes how I dictate, like, 
how much stuff I can get done in a 10 minute period. So just having it on in the background while doing things marks how much stuff I got done in 10 minutes. So it's thank you, Taylor. Not an hour. It's six times going through all too well 10 minute version. And that is how I live my life. There you go. That's how I live my life. That's how I get through my things. So the second noteworthy thing about Red Taylor's version is that she made her directorial debut by making a music video to the 10 minute version of All Too Well, starring actors Sadie Sink and Dylan O'Brien. It's known that Taylor wrote the song, this album, in relation to her romantic relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. If anyone has his email address, his regular address, his phone number, let me know. I will be sending him a strongly worded something. (laughs) <laughs> damn that's right. it period okay uh yeah yeah jake was 29 taylor was 20 i think there was a maybe a brief time when when when, when she was still 19 no she wasn't 19 i think she was yeah. but taylor she was 20, 20 and jake was 29 when they started dating. yes yeah and uh, their relationship came to an end in 2011 just a year after them being together see sink is currently 19 and Dylan O'Brien is 30, which is a near replica of the age gap between Jake and Taylor during their relationship. She did this on purpose. Yeah. The short film uses the 10 minute version of All Too Well to go into the nitty gritty of the grooming aspect of their relationship and how Jake's age and maturity thereof was a power dynamic over her that kept her in control. He might have had a keychain that read, fuck the patriarchy, but Taylor was the one who grew up and matured while all of Jake's lovers stayed her age at the same time. Go watch the SNL performance. Period. The, the, the eyes. That's good. Uh, look at the eyes. Just look at the eyes. <laughs> she means business. <laughs> she ain't getting around. And while her audiences could infer from the original version of All Too Well recorded with Big, Big Machine that her it was about her relationship with Jake and that it was toxic, her re-recordings made it really just blatantly obvious for her audiences that have matured along with her and understand the situation. And even though she has now taken the reins over this part of her life and has control over her own affairs for the most part, it takes the time. It makes the time before switching labels that she didn't have control, and her pain was exploited and like more for the profit of the label than for Taylor herself. That much worse, and in alignment with the idea of subliminal accusation through art and not being able to just come out and say, "Hey, this is a thing that happened. What are we gonna do about it?" Yeah, and I mean, she was probably also afraid to release a song that had those. Um, inferences and things that you could draw from it because you know hollywood mm-hmm. is they they i mean they already said bad things about her imagine if she had released that with the original red right like because she would have yeah. been i don't know when the original red came out um i don't know what year but um she would have been probably in her 22 she yeah she would have been <laughs> in her early 20s exactly so yeah and that, um, that sets a precedent for the rest of your life the rest of your career if something yeah. like that were to happen and that's not the first time it happened either because no. uh, John Mayer. Yeah, was I don't, right I don't know the full details of John. The, her I am with John sure Mayer. we will find out with Speak Now Taylor's version when when that drops. Get ready. <laughs> he better hide. He better, <laughs> he Joe better Joe had it easy. Joe just broke up with her over the phone. Like yeah. it, it is what it is. It'd be like that. Sometimes. We we're, we're friends now. We're all friendly now. We love it. Uh, his wife Sophie Turner makes jokes about the songs and says that she loves them. And you know what? I love that for her. I know. Like, period. But right. really, back to Taylor. She has been groomed. She has been... Exploited. Exploited. She has been taken advantage of. She has been called very bad and horrible things by a lot of people and a lot of sexism. And mm, Hollywood has done her dirty. Yeah, that's just that's And this just is just it. one example. But now she is reclaiming that and she is making it her own. And yeah. she is making money for it, which... Go, bad bitch, go, bad bitch, go. And again, if... 
the person we categorize as the music industry is still having to fight this. I don't even want to think about what smaller women and feminine presenting artists are dealing with. Right, absolutely. Like, that is absolutely horrible. Yeah, absolutely. So, off of Taylor, another artist that deals with, that has dealt with grooming is Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish in February of 2021 released a documentary with Apple TV Plus called Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. In the documentary, it was revealed that at the time, Billie was dating Brandon Quinton Adams, who goes by the name Q and performs under the stage name 7Amp. I don't know if that's actually how it's like pronounced. You're cool. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if that's right, but I, I think, that, I think it is. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Um, he and Billy met at one of her concerts in 2018 when she was just 16 and he was 22 and they started dating from there. They broke up in 2019 after he didn't attend her Coachella performance. And the doc- You know what? You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mm-hmm. really just broke your speed there. It's about not attending the things because Jake Gyllenhaal did not attend Taylor Swift's 21st birthday party. Whoa. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. Go, just go to the things, guys. Don't, don't groom. Just say don't, don't groom, groom women, women. But go, go to, to the, the things. things. <laughs> That's it. I'm sorry. I'll let you go off again. (laughs) But um, they broke up in 2019 after the Coachella performance. And in the documentary, Billy tells a friend that Q broke his hand by punching a wall and that she tried to get him to go to therapy, but he couldn't even love himself. So there is no way she loved he loved her. Like, period, Billy. Um, All right. But since then, Billy released Happier Than Ever in July of 2021, which is her second studio album, and Happier Than Ever, A Love Letter to Los Angeles, which is a Disney Plus documentary concert performance. Billy Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry, the February 2021 documentary, it, it is a prime example of her using her art to out the grooming that took place in her life, but unintentionally. The fact that she rationalized Q's behavior in future interviews and through the documentary goes to show that grooming culture in the entertainment industry just runs so deep. Yeah, and it's, I mean, if you think about it, even out of the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. we rationalize disgusting men behavior yeah, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, we do. All we do the time. All the time. I'm sick of it. Stop doing it. Yeah. I know that's easier said Men stop done. being disgusting. Women stop accepting it, period. 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 Like, um, no, they are not being mean to you because they like you. No, they are not pushing you in the sandbox because they like you. No. They like to control and have power over you. Mm-hmm. They don't like you. They like the power they are getting from it. Because the system gives it to them. Yes. So, just to re-acknowledge that the previous four examples that uh, that we gave, they are not women of color. Um, white or white-presenting people are heard the most as well, as seen with the feminism movement being led in history by white women, and, you know, history was written by white people, like, yeah. period. Um, but so our education tells us that. Um, but just know that, you know, intersectionality exists, y'all. We, we had a whole episode on yeah, it. Go and, go and listen to it if you choose after this. But being a woman or femme of color places that double jeopardy of abuse in the mix in the entertainment industry and just in life in general. Mm-hmm. So the question that mostly like overarches all of this is can there be other re- legal recourse other than the fact that these girls, excuse me, are either A, minors or B, just so generally so much younger and have the power dynamic of age and status held over their heads? Personally, I think the patriarchy needs to be socially dismantled in the first place. Like, period. I think everyone can get. Yes. I think everyone can get behind that. 
Yes. But I think many of these injustices occur because of socialized gender practices that, that we are that we deem okay and quote unquote like worth talking about. Yeah, these women in the entertainment industry were told that they need to do certain things, be a certain way, project a certain image to further their careers, which some some of them have been subverted and moved on from their own ways. This ideology seems to be starting to become a thing of the past to the public eye, but it will take a lot longer to uproot uproot social injustices rather than injustices in the legal system, which does feed off of social injustices, especially if judge and jury aren't fair. Very vicious cycle. Yeah, for sure. So with all of that said, um, let's listen to women, folks. Let's listen to what women and femmes and people have to say when things are going wrong. Because we've obviously seen there is a deep-rooted history and longevity of grooming and exploitation and taking advantage of women in the entertainment industry and just in life in general. Just in life in general. And with that, thank you for listening. We are Uncertified and Unqualified. We are on Instagram at Uncertified and Unqualified Pod and we release episodes every other Monday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.